This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Before we get into the message, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bear for the awesome privilege it is to be able to share the word from this pulpit. I'm, I'm truly honored and I just want to honor them and thank them for this. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as we come together this evening, we always remind ourselves that we are nothing without you. This is your church, come and have your way, Lord. I pray for every person here this evening and those online that their ears are open to hear, their hearts are ready to receive, and their lives will change as a result of your word. And I do not trust in my ability, but lean on you to speak through me. And I promise in advance to give you alone all the praise for what you'll be accomplishing this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may greet your neighbor, take your seats, take out your Bibles. We should have our Bibles in church, amen. Take out your Bibles and notepad, a pen. If you will do that, you will grow so much quicker than just listening. And if for whatever reason you don't have those with you this evening, then you can go to our church app, and then under the notes section, you'll see uh, some outlines of the message, and you can just fill it in as you go along. Well, we've been going on an amazing series the last couple of weeks, and the series has been about extraordinary relationships, amen? As I said this morning, extraordinary. Nobody likes ordinary. Who likes ordinary? Who wants an ordinary holiday or an ordinary salary? Uh, we don't want ordinary relationships. I mean, we want extraordinary relationships. And so we've been going on this amazing journey. And part three tonight, we're going to be focusing on financial unity. Financial unity. You know, they did a survey several years ago. And the survey was to find out what was the biggest cause of divorces. And when the survey came in, they established that the biggest cause of divorce was communication. Communication was the biggest cause of divorce. But they decided to dig a little bit deeper. And they wanted to find out then what is the subject that they're communicating on that causes divorce. And guess what it is? Finances. Finances was the top subject that actually led to that. And so we're going to find out how to be in unity. So whether you're married or single, you're still married to Jesus, amen? You're part of the body of Christ. You have brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we want to be in unity, not just in our relationships in marriage, but also our relationships in the body of Christ with one another. And if we are in unity with one another, we're going to have far better relationships, amen? And so there's a lot to learn, whether you're married or whether you're single, we all need this subject, and we all need to understand how to be in unity with our finances. Now, if I just quickly refer to, to marriages, you know, when people are coming to marriage, they obviously come from different backgrounds, right? The husband and the wife, the spouse, they come from different backgrounds, and uh, those different backgrounds have a profound influence on how they would focus, in this case, on finances. Let's say, just for example, you came out of a home, and uh, your family was very, very wealthy. There was no lack in your home, and uh, everything was, all your needs were met. And let's just say, even as a result of that, your parents were also very generous. Then that would influence you, right? You'd have an influence, you'd see that, and you'd be generous because that's the way you were raised. Now, I'm not saying that all wealthy people are generous. I'm just using that as an example, because I know some wealthy people that are not generous. I know some people that are really barely getting by, but they're generous. So it's not about that. But our backgrounds have an influence. The same as if you came out of a home where there was a lot of lack 
and there just wasn't a lot of things going around and your family always had to hold on to their finances, that would be the perspective that you grow up with and then you might hold on to your finances and also not be generous with that. And so we want to do things God's way, amen? And so the foundational scripture, which Pastor Jenny shared also last weekend, is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and I want to read it to you from the message translation, and this is what it says. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. In other words, how were you brought up? What was the culture you were brought up with? Do you just fit into that and continue that way? That's the question God is asking. It goes on to say, to say instead, fix your attention on God. In other words, what is God's way? Look to God's way for the solution in our lives. It goes on to say that if you do this, you will be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He, God, wants from you, and quickly respond to it. So this is what God wants for you. It's in His Word. And He gives us direction through His Word, and we can either quickly respond to it, or we can debate it, argue it, challenge it, I would recommend quickly respond to it. That's the best way, amen? Goes on to say, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And that's what we are hoping to accomplish through this series, that God will bring the best out of us in all our relationships, amen? And that's what we want to learn. And so because of these differences, different backgrounds and the life experiences that people have, when they come into marriage or they maybe start off in a relationship, they often bring into that marriage those differences that they have, those ways that they were brought up, the cultures that they were used to by their families in those environments. And what that sometimes causes is financial disunity. Because I'm used to doing it this way, you're used to doing it this way, and the two paths don't meet. That's a challenge, right? And so we want to make sure that we are doing it God's way. So there's a story in the Bible, as I mentioned to you this morning, that you know very, very well. It's the story about the multiplication, and that's where Jesus multiplies the two fish and the five loaves. You've all heard about that, right? But in that story, in that account, there are two principles in there that will help you and your spouse or you and your brothers and sisters in Christ understand what God's maths is. Who wants to understand God's maths? The way he works with numbers, amen? And obviously it's very easy for everyone to understand because nothing that God wants us to do is really complicated. We make it complicated when we challenge the process. Can you imagine if everybody just got up and said, yes, Lord, I'll do what you say. Problem solved. So we want to learn that this evening, amen? So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine, and we're gonna read from verse 12. And verse 12 says this. Have you got your Bibles? Is it open? Ready to go. Okay. It says this in, in, from verse 12. It says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, to Jesus, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodges and get provision. For we are in a, des a deserted place here. In other words, send them out to McDonald's, to Mug and Bean, 
to wherever they need to go. They need to get provision, okay? It's getting late. The shops are going to close. Send them out there. They need some food. goes on to say from verse 13, it says this. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. Verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men. So let's just pause there for a moment. Let's just put the pause button on that. We need to understand that when they talk about 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000, in my Bible, the paragraph's titled The Feeding of the 5,000. I don't know if your Bible has that, but mine has The Feeding of the 5,000. And that's actually misleading. That's actually not accurate. Because back then, in those times, the way they would count the Jewish families is they would count the men in a crowd. And that represented the head of the home. So they would count. So if this was the meeting, we would count all the men, and that would represent the head of the home. Okay? Now, the average Jewish family had between three and four children per family. That was the average one. And so what that really means is that they weren't just feeding 5,000 men. They were potentially feeding between 20 and 25,000 people. Those 5,000 heads of homes. And in the Gospel of Matthew 14, 21, it backs that up. It says this in verse 21, Matthew 14, 21, and says, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. And the only reason I wanted to bring that to you this evening, the only reason I'm mentioning it to you, is because this is a far bigger miracle than people think. I mean, 5,000 is a lot already, okay? But this is between 20 and 25,000. Just need to remember that as we go on, because it's a massive miracle. So from verse 14, we continue reading, and it says this. Then he said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. In other words, Jesus understands maths, okay? He's a good mathematician. Make them sit down in groups of 50, and they did so and made them all sit down. He, then he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and the 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. So that's what happened. Now, we have different opinions on the 12 baskets. You know, where did the 12 baskets go to? Sometimes our opinion is, well, the young boy that made his food available, that was his harvest on sowing his meal. I think maybe Jesus was just trying to teach his disciples a lesson and say, listen, I'll take care of you. Each of you have a doggy bag. Okay, each one of you have a doggy bag. You take one home. You'll just remember that I can provide for you. Amen. And then the story goes on. Now, when we read this account, so often when we think of this account, we always think of the miracle. Amen. We always think, well, he fed 25,000 people. That was really the story. And we miss little things in there that actually tell us a lot of truth about the story. And so in, verse, in chapter 9, verse 12, it says this. When the day began to wear away. If you look that up in the Greek, it means when the day began to wear away. Okay? In other words, what does that mean? Well, let's just picture it in today's terms. Let's just say we had invited a guest speaker here this morning, all right? First time he's been here, never had him before. He arrives here, 8.30 service. Our 8.30 service should be finished around 10 o'clock. That's when the service would normally end. And this speaker starts speaking. And he's speaking, and 
12 o'clock comes and he's still speaking. One o'clock comes and he's still going on. Two o'clock comes and he's still going on. By this time, you've missed your afternoon nap. It's gone. If you're sport lovers, first half is done. Okay, by that time. Three o'clock comes, he's still going. Four o'clock comes, he's still going. Five o'clock comes, he's still going. Six o'clock comes, he's still going. He's preaching. The Bible says, when the day began to wear away. So it was wearing away. This is how long this speaker was speaking. Now, I'm not sure how you read your Bible. But when I read my Bible, I like to just think about what the characters were like at that time. How did they approach different things? I mean, just for example, it's not part of this, this account, but just think of this. I've always thought about this. Jesus, when he was going to select his disciples, you know the story he goes and, he's, and, he, and he calls the different disciples. We know one of them was a guy called Matthew, tax collector. No one liked him. Tax collectors, not everybody's friends. I hope you don't work for SARS. I don't think you're much anybody's friend anyway, but if you get some rebates, you are. But then there's another guy by the name of Peter. He's a fisherman. Now, you know what they say about sailors, eh? But they've got colorful language. Uh, they're rough guys. So Jesus is calling these people. The Bible doesn't say this, but just go with me on this little journey. Can you imagine? The first time they're all sitting together around a fire. Remember, when Jesus called them, they didn't just grow angel wings. Bing. They weren't perfect. They still had their issues from their past, right? And so can you imagine Peter, colorful language, tough guy, talking to Matthew, the tax collector, who says, where's some money you owe me? Can you imagine that discussion? It wasn't just, oh, I love you, brother. Yeah, this is wonderful. Aren't you so excited that Jesus has called us? No, I'm sure there was a lot of conflict in the beginning. And Jesus had to work with these guys, right? So when you read the Bible, I like to say, read, look what's happening between the lines. Use your imagination. What is happening in that time? So let's just take us back to the story over here. Jesus is speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. And the day is wearing away, right? Now, what would you do if you were there? Think about it. If you were there and you one of the 12. I know what I would do, okay? So yes, Jesus, he's speaking away. I'm over here with the 12. And we talk, Jesus, he's, he's going for it. I mean, he's just, he's giving the best sermon ever. And you're standing over there with the 12. Now, you, we all love Peter, don't we? I mean, Peter, he always said the wrong things at the wrong time. That's just Peter, right? So you can imagine Peter now. He's standing there like this. Jesus is going on for hours. And he says to the guys, hey, listen, guys, this is the longest church service I've ever been to in my life. I mean, I, I, I'm starving here. In fact, I'm going to die. If I don't get food in the next 12 seconds, I'm dead. I'm going to die. We need some food. And the people, the people are hungry. And John was sharp, right? You know, John, he was sharp. He said, that's it. Jesus says, what do you mean? I mean, Peter says, what do you mean that's it? Let's tell Jesus the people are hungry. <laughs> he seems to care a lot about the people. And then he will let them go. Let's do that. Now, you get chosen as the spokesperson. Now, here's Jesus speaking to 25,000. You've got to go interrupt him. Tell him, we need some food. In other words, it's time to land this plane. So this is you now, okay? I'm the spoke, okay. So you walk up there. Excuse me, excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me, excuse me. Jesus, um, sorry, sorry to bother you. <laughs> Great message. I love, 
awesome sermon. I'm loving this. I mean, this whole series you're bringing in one day, she's loving it. I was just telling the brothers, I could go on all day. I really love this. This is amazing. But, but we were thinking, Jesus, we were thinking, it's getting late. The shops are about to close. You know, McDonald's is just about to do their last order now. I mean, the restaurant's about done. The kitchen's on their last, taking their last orders. We think, we think, Lord, it'll be good if you um, let the people go because they're hungry and you should just wrap it up. And so Jesus says, so it's all about the people, right? You're concerned about the people, is that right? Yes, yes, Lord, we're concerned about the people. And then look what it says. We read over this quickly. But look what it says here in verse 13. It says this, then Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. All right, you give them something to eat. Sorry, Lord, what's that? That's what the Bible says. It says, he says, okay, you solve this problem. You give them something to eat. Now, look, I don't know again about you, but I'm just using my imagination. Maybe there was this young guy, young little lighty, and he just figured it out. Listen, this guy's preaching long. I know, if I don't get out there and get some food, I'm gonna die. So he probably slipped back into town, went maybe to something fishy or ocean basket. He got the two-piece meal with extra rolls. I don't know what he ordered, but he got this meal, right? And he comes back with the food, and obviously Peter's now looking for some food because he's about to die. So he sees us like with the food, and he takes his food, says, we'll sort it out, young man, don't worry about it. And he's got the food, and he says to the disciples, hey, we've got some food here, two fish and five loaves. But that's all we got. John says, that's it. Peter says, what's it? Tell Jesus that's all we got. It's all we got, he'll let them go. You gotta go then, tell Jesus. So you go there. Excuse me, Lord. Sorry, Lord, sorry, sorry to bother you. Really enjoying the service, but, but I just need to, you remember, you remember you said earlier on that um, people are hungry and you said to us, we should get them something to eat. Do you remember that, Lord? Well, we've been working on that. We've been working on that. And, and we've managed, we've managed to get, there was this young guy, he, he's a young boy, he got this meal, just, just two fish and five loaves. And, 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 but I didn't take it from him, Lord. Peter took it from him. I didn't take it from him. <laughs> but that's all we got. We just got the two fish and five loaves, Lord. So Jesus says, so all you got is two fish and five loaves. Yes, Lord, that's all we got. Okay, make them sit down in groups of 50. Sorry, Lord, we, we don't have a lot of these snack packs. We've only got one. And, and, G, and Peter's really eaten some of it, Lord. That's all we got left. That's all we got left. So, so then look what happens here. It goes on and says this. As we read on the, the story here, we miss these little things. Okay, remember, we're all thinking about multiplying the bread, feeding the 25,000. But look what it says here in verse 16. It says this, Jesus blessed them, that's the bread and the fish. He broke them, bread and the fish, and he gave them the bread and the fish to the disciples to set before the multitude. That's what the Bible says, right? Now, I'm sure Peter figured it out. I'm sure Peter thought, this is what's going to happen. He's going to pray over it, and it's going to multiply in front of our eyes, and our problem's going to be solved. That's what Peter probably thought. But family, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Picture the situation. He has the Lord. They give him the, the food. He picks up one of the loaves. He says, Lord, bless this. Breaks it in half. Gives half to Peter. Peter. 
Are you finished praying, Lord? <laughs> yes, I'm finished. You can give it to the people. Do you want to pray some more? <laughs> I mean, that's Peter, right? He's expecting this miracle to happen straight away. But it hasn't. The Bible says he gave half to Peter. Gave half to the disciples. So now you can imagine Peter. Now you know him, Peter. Remember I said he said the wrong things at the wrong time. Can you imagine him? He's got this half a loaf. The Lord's told him now to give it to the people. They're sitting in groups of 50. So he goes up to the first person. Says to the guy, take just a little piece. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I said, a little piece. <laughs> and he's working his way down. You can imagine Peter gets to the last person. There's only a small little piece left in his hand. Sweat's coming down his face. And all of a sudden, the bread multiplies. And you see, family, this is what we miss. This is what we don't get from the story. The miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. The miracle happened in the disciples' hands. That's where the miracle happened. And we all expect the miracle to take place because Jesus prayed right then and there. But that story didn't say that. You see, family, there are two principles of multiplication or two principles of being in unity in your finances that we all need to get and understand. And this is the first one. Are you ready? The first one is this. It has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. It has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. Think of this. What if the disciples had given it out before Jesus blessed it? What if they took the food from the little guy and they just handed it out before Jesus had blessed it? It would never have multiplied. It would just never have multiplied. You see, family, it's the blessing of Jesus that causes it to multiply. Now, I don't have time tonight to teach on this subject, but this is what the Bible calls tithing. The Bible calls this tithing. When you give the first 10% to the church, to Jesus, Jesus blesses it. And according to Hebrews 7, Jesus himself receives our tithes and blesses them. That's what the Bible says, okay? So we have to give the first portion to Jesus, and then it's blessed. And then obviously it will multiply. But here's the second principle. The second principle is this. It has to be given away before it can be multiplied. It has to be given away before it can be multiplied. What if the disciples had eaten it after Jesus had blessed it? What happens if he blessed it and gave it to them and they started eating first? It would have never multiplied, right? It just would have never multiplied. Do you know, family, how many people tithe but never give over and above their tithe. And here's the challenge. And yet that money is still blessed by Jesus and it never gets given a chance to multiply. It's still blessed, but they never give over and above their tithe and so they never experience the multiplication because the multiplication only happened after it was blessed and after it was given, not before. And this is the challenge that a lot of people live with. They, they understand this. Many people are tithers, but that's all they ever do. And if we want to be in unity in our relationships with one another, with our spouses, with our family, we need to be unified in what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to bring a tenth of what we earn to him so he can bless it. And he wants us then to be generous with our finances so that we can see the multiplication. You see, family... When we got married, my wife and I, we've been married for 30 years. When we got married, we did come from different backgrounds. 
Our families were similar in some ways, but we did come from different backgrounds. But one thing I quickly learned about my wife, she just loves to bless and help people. She just loves to do that. And I could have had my back up and said, no, no, we're not going to do that. You know, it's just not a logical thing because I'm a structured guy. I've got my budget and I'm structured. That's how we work, what we're doing this month. Okay, and that, that's just how I do it. But my wife's very sensitive. And often, and I can tell you often, we'll be walking through the, the shop, doing our grocery shopping, and she'll come to me and she'll say, oh, there's somebody over there. I can see that they're struggling to make it. Can we just pay for their, their, their food? And so I say, yes. And we pay for it. It's happened many times. Many times. I mean, whenever we, we want to give the car guard something, she won't let me give it to them unless I tell them it's from Jesus. <laughs> I can't just give them the money. I must tell them it's from Jesus. And so we've learned to be unified in our finances. We've learned to be in agreement when it comes to our giving and our tithing. We've done that. And you see, family, if you want financial unity, you need to apply these two principles. We need to, as married couples and as single individuals, be united with the Lord Jesus and each other if we would like to see this happening in our lives. You know, we need to understand this, that we are better with someone else than we are by ourselves. We just are. And that, if you're not married, you have a family here that you can walk with. You see, when you are, un uh, when you are unified, that brings in what we call extraordinary relationships. Extraordinary relationships start to be formed when we're unified. You know, when God was creating in the book of Genesis, and you all know the story, light be, and so on, fish be, and, he, and he, every time that he created, he said, that is good, that is good, right? But after he created man, he looked down and saw Adam, and he said, that's not good. It's not good for him to be alone. Now, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe Adam was running around the garden with scissors in his hands or something, and he said, no, he needs a wife. This guy needs a wife. He can't handle it by himself. I don't know what happened. But he figured out this guy needs help. And I can tell you, for every married couple, you know the benefit your spouse brings into your relationship. Amen? And so it's important for us to be unified. But we also need to be unified in our finances. You see, we need relationships. And the only way to have extraordinary relationships instead of ordinary relationships is to come into unity, family. And let me tell you this. One of the easiest ways or the easiest things to be unified in is your finances. People make it complicated, but it's not. It really isn't. If you just apply what God says, it'll work well, and you'll be unified in your relationships. So I want to encourage you, as a married couple, if you're soon to be married or you're planning to get married, this is one of the easiest areas. Don't allow things in your marriage, in your finances, to be hidden from, some, from each other. You know, when we were doing our marriage counseling, as I mentioned, over 30 years ago, we were given advice back then. And this is a tough one, I think, for some couples to hear. But we were told, have one bank account. Let both your salaries come into one bank account. Now, I know for some people that's, because that's mine and that's hers, and I spend mine, she spends hers. And we did that 30 years ago. My wife has full access. She's got bank cards, I've got bank cards. She can see when I spend, I can see when she spends. There's nothing hidden. And if you want to have a good unity in your marriage when it comes to finances, that's a great place to start. I would recommend do that. You know, you don't want to hide things from your partner. Because the minute you start doing that, she doesn't know your little pocket of money you got here for your little things. You're just building your relationship on the wrong foundation. You don't want deceit. Because if you sow it, it will come back, amen? 
So I want to encourage you in, in relationships to do that. And I want to give you some next steps here this evening. We have some next steps for you. If, you are, uh, if you're, you're on the fence on this subject and you're still learning, maybe you're newlyweds or maybe you've been married for a long time, and this is still a subject that's a little bit, you know, a, a contentious issue, then I want to invite you to come on our marriage seminar. We're going to be doing a marriage conference uh, on Saturday, Pastor Simon, this coming Saturday. So come on to that conference. It's going to be amazing. Just a few hours. You can register on the Church Center app. Come on to that. And then after that, we're going to go into our Biblical Principles of Marriage, which runs for six weeks, Pastor Sa, six weeks, every Monday, right? And I'm asking him because he's heading that up. Every Monday for six weeks. And you know we've got one whole session about finances. So come along. Invest in your, in your relationship. Invest in working, working towards being unified with your finances and get onto that. And so tonight, I'd like to ask you, if you are in a relationship and you know this is not an area that things are working well, then I want to pray a prayer for all of you. So if you're in a relationship and you say, listen, we need this to be sorted out. We're not quite in agreement with what we do with our money, how we go. Maybe there's a difference between the two of you. One of you wants to tie, the other one doesn't. I don't know what that is. But you want to be unified, right? And you want to do things God's way. So if that's you here this evening and you say, listen, just pray for our marriage. Pray for our relationship. I'd like you to stand. Just wherever you are, just stand. And we want to pray a prayer for everybody. Even if you know you're going to be married and you want to have a spouse that is unified with you in your relationship, why don't you stand now? Maybe you're not married yet, and I want to pray for you. So anybody, just stand up. We're a family. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful. That's awesome. We want God to unify us in our relationships and unify us in our marriages. And we definitely don't want a simple thing like money. I love what Pastor Jenny said this, this evening with regard to the Don't give money power. And when we allow it to get into our relationships, we give it power. And it if we give it power, it's not going to unify you. Are you with me? And so just do it God's way. So let's all just bow our heads, and I want to pray for you wherever you are. You can just raise your hands in your seats over there. Let's just trust the Lord to bring you into unity with your spouses. Father, we thank you that you are the most amazing, loving God, and you want us to be unified in every area of our life, in unity with you, in unity with one another, and most definitely in unity in our relationships. And I lift up to you every couple, any person who's single, any person that just wants to ensure that there's unity in their relationships now or in the future regarding finances, that Lord, you help them, that you bond them, that you give them the same heart in this, that they're unified and that they choose to do it your way, choose to obey your principles so that their marriage can grow and this will never be a contentious issue in their lives. So as we pray for them right now, Father, I ask for your wisdom for them according to James chapter 1 and verse 5 and I pray Father for an anointing that just bonds them together bringing them into unity with one another in the name of Jesus thank you Father thank you Father in Jesus name praise the Lord you may be seated you may be seated well at this time I would like to ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we've come to, in my mind, the most important part of the service. And that's when we give people an opportunity who've never made Jesus Lord of their life to make Him Lord of their life. If anything you want to be unified in, and that's in your relationship with the Lord. Amen. 
And if you're sitting here today or you're online and you've never ever made a decision to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never prayed a prayer that says, Lord, I need you coming to my heart today. Be my Lord and Savior. Friend, I want to pray with you tonight. I will not embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come out. You stay in your seats. I'm not going down to where you are. But in a moment, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up so I can see it. Then I'll know you want prayer. And I'm going to pray with you. You see, the Bible says this in the, in the book of Romans. That if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. In other words, we'll be in right standing with God. And I just want to pray that prayer with you tonight that you can know for sure that you're in right standing with God. My second invitation is to any person who is here this evening or online and you once had an amazing relationship with the Lord, but for whatever reason, it's grown cold and it's drifted away a bit. Well, friend, allow me to include you in this prayer and you can then once again be in this amazing unified relationship with Jesus and experience an extraordinary relationship with Him. I mean, thirdly, if you're just not sure where you would go if you breathed your last. If you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know when I breathe my last if I'll slip into the flames of hell and I don't want to go there. Then allow me to also include you in this prayer. And when you raise your hand, I'll know you want prayer for that and I'll pray for you as well. And you can know for sure that heaven will be your home. So at the count of three, you want to know Jesus for the first time. You either want to come back to him or want to know for sure that heaven is your home. Please raise your hands now. One, two, three. Just raise it above your head. God bless you over there. Just keep it up for me so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's many hands going up. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Please keep your hands raised. Is there anybody else? You can just slip it up. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I see several hands going up. That's wonderful, family. That's wonderful. Now, before I pray, I'm inviting one of our amazing dream teamers just to come and slip over and put their hand on your shoulder. They're just standing there with you to pray with you. Once they get to you, you can put your hand down. If they haven't got to you, please keep it raised until they do. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to pray. I'm going to invite everybody here this evening to pray with us. Let's all pray together, but especially those that have raised their hands. Let's say this together. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for all of my sin. I do believe that Jesus is Lord. And he was raised from the dead. I know I need a savior. And I surrender today to you. Come be the Lord of my life. I choose today to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. And I thank you that tonight I am now part of your loving family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.co.za. Dot com.